It is going to be a cold, dark night for many South Africans, with stage six load shedding announced. South Africa is sinking into darkness. Its crumbling power system no longer able to keep the lights on. The poorest here hit hardest. After 20, 25 years. You're going to have to close down? Yes. The power crisis is the result of decades of mismanagement and massive corruption. Criminal gangs ready to kill anyone who tries to stop the looting. I was shaking badly. I was literally lying like this and I started gasping for air. A mixture uh, of cyanide and uh, sodium arsenite. Today, South Africa still gets almost all its power from burning coal. It's a lethal addiction. It's killing us. This coal is killing us. The answer to many is a green revolution. But can Western money and pressure help South Africa embrace renewable energy? Or is the rot here simply too deep? very depressing. It's very concerning. Our country is in a serious, dark place. Stage four load shedding will continue to be implemented until further notice. It says that stage six will be implemented at 8 p.m. tonight until 5 a.m. How did it come to this? South Africa, the continent's great economic powerhouse, is in deep trouble. Long daily power cuts in Johannesburg and across the country. Dawn and the traffic lights are still not working. This is Alexandra Township, a poor neighborhood on the edge of Johannesburg. Every day here, the power goes out, sometimes for four hours, sometimes for eight or more. Officially, it's called load shedding, which sounds almost helpful, almost pleasant. But the truth is that these power cuts are having a devastating impact in a country with a stagnant economy and soaring unemployment. And it's particularly in poor neighborhoods like this one that the effects are being felt the most. Suzeki Musa has run this bar for 25 years. We don't have money because of the power, because of the electricity. You can see now, it's dark. Are you going to survive in your business? I don't think so. I don't think so. The power shortage is taking the business out. It must be stressful. Very, very, very stressful. Very, very stressful. The cash transfer business next door is on the ropes too. We sit more than six hours doing nothing. It's our salaries. If we don't work, we don't get paid. Essentially, this economy has ground to a halt because we cannot provide factories, uh, industry with electricity that's needed to produce. That has a direct impact on poor people who, who lose jobs, who cannot work, who cannot earn money, and, and poverty kills. Poverty leads to young people not getting the education they deserve and so forth and so forth. At that level, I think this is treason. Why treason? Well, that's what we're going to try to find out.
we're just heading out of Johannesburg now and almost immediately we are in coal country. You can see the coal-fired power stations on the horizon and you can smell the coal too. Now in theory this huge industry is supposed to be quietly transitioning to renewables, to solar and wind. South Africa has huge resources of both. But in practice that transition is proving very difficult and very dangerous. We're heading to a town called Emalachleni. The word itself means place of coal. If you want to understand South Africa's energy crisis, this is a good place to start. The town is surrounded by mines and by criminal gangs fighting for a slice of the coal industry. With us in the car, a local guide wary of being identified. So we're coming just to the edge here of, uh, of what is an illegal mine, an illegal coal mine. I'm just going to go along the corner here, is that okay? We're told there are at least 60 so-called black sites in this region where coal is stolen or traded illegally. What's extraordinary is quite how brazen it is. It's happening every day out in the open, in daylight. Even at night, we hear gunshots, gunshots. Even they are fighting amongst themselves. The, the, the different gangs? Yes. We need to be careful then. Yes because there's so much money at stake yes. that they will kill for it. They'll do that. They'll do that. Let's see if we can try and talk to one of the truck drivers with the coal once they've left this area. Is it quite a dangerous business to be involved in? Yeah, sometimes it is because you don't know whether the mine is illegal or legal. And then you take your truck to that mine only to find out that that mine is illegal. Local journalists investigating the gangs run huge risks. It really is a brutal province for anybody who wants to expose the truth. A gangster kind of economy. Yeah, definitely. Life is cheap in this country. You can hire hitmen for 10,000 rand. That's $400. So the system is, I think, rotten to the core. And dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. But stolen coal is only part of a much bigger problem. Spread across this province are a dozen coal-fired power plants. They look like ships that have run aground. We're now driving to one named Tutuga, a huge plant. But today, it's barely functioning, brought to its knees by years of mismanagement, looting and sabotage, like this fire caught on camera at a nearby plant. The sort of scams that have been going on at power stations like this one range from pretty basic fraud, for instance, inflating the price of simple protective gear by up to 800 times, to much more complex things like sabotage, so jamming key pumping stations, and also putting rocks in the coal supply to damage the whole system. And then, of course, you have to bring in new contractors to fix things with more inflated prices. Tutuga is such a lucrative target for criminal gangs that the last plant manager wore body armor to work. His successor is hoping he can manage without. So you're happy about your security? 
Okay. Um, look, I don't think, um, yeah, um, can we not uh, go there? That's a serious question, though. I mean, your predecessor wore a bulletproof jacket because he was so concerned about the criminality here. But you're not. You think that's been resolved? Um, I'm not worried. Um, at this stage, there's nothing substantial for me to get worried. So it is business. I'm focusing on recovering the station. But the dangers here are real. We've arranged to meet a businessman involved in the local coal industry. He's now scared for his life after being threatened by criminals. We've agreed to hide his identity for his own protection. It was very terrible because it was the first time someone pulls a gun on me. And held it to your head? Yeah, held it to my head. Told me I must do one, two, three. Did they threaten your family? They did. They told me they are not afraid of anybody. They are politically connected. So they're above the law? Basically. These political connections are crucial. Investigations by South African journalists have revealed alleged links between corruption in the coal industry and some of the country's most powerful politicians. This leaked intelligence document claims to identify four criminal cartels, each with a network of henchmen and assassins, and links to senior government officials. A sign here, to many, of the rot within the governing ANC. The ANC cannot solve this problem because the ANC is as involved as everyone else in this problem. It's so deep in the rot, it doesn't know how to extricate itself, and any attempt to fix the problem exacerbates it. Can anyone stop the rot? In 2019, a businessman, Andre de Reuter, was brought in to clean up the state power utility, ESCOM. He was blunt about the challenges. So the stays were cut, the tower was pushed over onto the other line, uh, but nothing was stolen. So this is not an economic crime. This was clearly now uh, an, an act of sabotage, and I think we can call it as such. Um, but that so outspokenness would soon get him in trouble. In fact, as we'll see in a moment, it would get him poisoned. The pressure to break South Africa's dependence on coal has been building for years. And yet, south of Johannesburg, machines the size of apartment blocks still scrape at the earth to expose more rich seams. South Africa is addicted to coal. Right now, 85% of all the power consumed in this country comes from burning this stuff. That's compared with less than 2% in somewhere like the UK, which is why this relatively small economy is still one of the world's great CO2 emitters. And here's the impact. Eight-year-old Princess Matsibula has grown up in coal country. When she struggles to breathe, it's very hard because she'll be quiet. She won't eat, she won't talk, she won't do anything. Official information about pollution levels here is curiously hard to get, but leaked studies suggest this province is among the most polluted places on Earth and that the coal industry is killing thousands of people every year. My wish is they have to cancel the coal 
so that we can breathe a clean air. Do you think they will? They must. They must cancel the call because it's killing us. This call is killing us. These local campaigners say the government is putting jobs before health and ignoring court orders to enforce pollution standards. It's... <sighs> For me, I can't even explain the feeling inside. And it's been long talking about this, but it doesn't come up into terms where I can swallow it. It's painful. So nothing changes? Nothing changes. But change might be coming. South Africa is big and sunny. It has vast wind and solar potential. And Western nations are now backing something called a just energy transition, an $8 billion plan to help wean South Africa off coal. We have a vast, abundant energy source freely available to us, which is our, our wind and solar resources. They're, they're amongst the best of anywhere in the world. So we, we have some real least cost um, options in front of us. We can transition very rapidly onto a renewable dominant uh, energy system. And speed is crucial because if South Africa drags its feet on going green, its exports could soon be blacklisted by other countries. You know, I'm talking about the, the hard economic reality. If we don't decarbonize, we're going to be shut out of the global trading system and we're going to lose massive amounts of jobs. But the just energy transition faces obstacles, lots of them. Coal miners and their unions worry, with good reason, about their own jobs vanishing here in South Africa. Many people will lose their job. They lose their job if the coal was closed down, if the coal mining stopped. And then there's the politics. Plenty of senior figures here are skeptical, to put it mildly, about the very idea of abandoning coal. You've been described as a coal fundamentalist, as a bit of a dinosaur, somebody who's obsessed with coal. Yes, they, they call me all sorts of things, a uh, coal fundamentalist and a fossil fuel dinosaur. Uh, Do you recognize that? I take those as prestigious titles. It's a compliment? Yeah, those are as prestigious titles for me. Do you believe the West then is treating you unfairly, that they're pushing you to get rid of coal in a manner that just doesn't work for South Africa? Unfairness is, is an understatement. They're treating us as a guinea pig. They want to experiment with us. But then what choice does South Africa have but radical change when it can no longer keep the lights on? When South Africa's president, Cyril Ramaphosa, came to power in 2018, he promised to stop the rot. We are determined to build a society defined by decency and integrity that does not tolerate the plunder of public resources, nor the theft by corporate criminals of the hard-earned savings of ordinary people.
As part of that process, the president brought in a businessman called André de Reuter, the tall white man he's greeting here. His task, to lead South Africa's energy transformation and to fix the mess at the power utility ESCOM. The rot was much worse than I anticipated when I took the job. My rough estimate of the amount of money that gets stolen in ESCOM every month is in the region of a billion rand, every month. A billion rand, that's $50 million each month. To be fair, there have been some arrests. This man is an alleged saboteur, accused of damaging a local power station on behalf of a criminal gang. But these prosecutions are targeting the lower ranks. The cartel leaders, the politicians, seem untouchable and still determined to block the transition away from coal. There are so many vested interests in the coal value chain that the threat of decarbonisation, even though we're talking about a multi-decade move, gradual, very gradual move away from coal, why that is so um, eagerly opposed. The Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy, Gwede Mantashe, says that... Soon, senior figures within the governing ANC started to attack De Reuter and his team at ESCOM. ESCOM, by not attending to load shedding, is actively agitating for the overthrow of the state. That's right. The energy minister was accusing De Reuter and his reform team of treason. One morning, soon after that, De Reuter was in his office and asked an assistant for a cup of coffee. At first, the coffee machine was said to be broken and the ESCOM boss's mug was briefly left beside it, unattended. Minutes later, a full cup was taken to De Reuter. I detected nothing. And then uh, about... 15, 20 minutes after this cup of coffee, I started feeling uh, extremely nauseous. And uh, the theory is that it was a mixture uh, of cyanide and uh, sodium arsenite, which is um, a rat poison. He survived, but quit his job and fled the country. And this is where the poisoning happened, in a supposedly secure executive suite. It's an extraordinary thing for your CEO to be poisoned yeah. in the building. Yeah, so that investigation is ongoing at the moment. Uh, we have been engaging with the authorities on that. Ongoing, but there have been no arrests. It's pretty shocking given what happened. But I guess it's a process, eh? We'll see. We'll see. Or a whitewash. <laughs> I'm not going to comment. When you are going hard at the criminals um, and looking at, you know, eradicating all the evils within the organisation, it becomes a dangerous area. You're still scared for your life? No, absolutely. Every day I am. And the reaction from the governing party, rather than supporting the poisoned CEO, many in the ANC were openly hostile or at best sceptical. De Reuter, who was the head of ESCOM, yes. CEO, uh, he was poisoned late last year, at the end of last year. I can't give evidence to that. So he might have been lying? I can't give evidence to that. His doctors say he was poisoned. The tests show 
he was poisoned I with cyanide, rat poisoning. No, listen, I, I can't give evidence to that. Why can't you acknowledge that? Did you call him up and see how he was? No, he, I can't give evidence on things I don't know. So you don't recognize this picture he's portrayed of an ANC using ESCOM as a feeding trough? No, I don't. The looting he describes, it may be going on, but I've got no proof of it. It sounds like you're deflecting responsibility no, for a deflecting. terrible mess. No, I'm not deflecting. But the man who helped lead a long judicial inquiry into state corruption here believes the situation is now worse than ever. One common theme that runs through all those assassinations and attempted assassinations uh, is access to resources access to state resources in a way that criminals can easily benefit. Now, the poisoning of uh, Dereta is part, not, not an isolated incident, it's part of a whole pattern uh, of conduct. Our country is in a serious dark place. To which the optimists here reply, Look around you. The move to renewable energy is happening anyway, regardless of the corruption, regardless of what South Africa's government does or doesn't do. Unstoppable. I mean, I can confidently say the energy transition in this country is well underway. Not always by design, sometimes driven by crisis and ineptitude, but it's happening at a pace and scale that from us and the Climate Commission, we can say is a very positive development. But that optimism has to be set against the struggles South Africa still faces. The struggle against deep poverty and inequality. The struggle to clean up politics and to break the criminals' chokehold on the economy. I just think it's getting worse. Just getting worse. If we don't do something about this, if there isn't the political will, then yes, we're talking about it's a failed state because there is no solution in sight.